days our Lord did eat nothing for forty days. And when he ended, he afterward was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil taketh him up in a high mountain, and showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will I give it. If thou wilt therefore worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. He brought him to Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are really the Son of God, cast yourself down from hence, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said to him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, who was faithful for over 60 years in teaching the Word of God throughout the Northwest and Canada. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our name, the Unchanging Word, is committed to the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His eternal Word always has been and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, we read and hear the words of Luke as he writes of the temptations of our Lord Jesus. Jesus is tempted by the devil on the same three grounds that Eve was tempted, which are precisely the same three grounds in which you and I can be tempted. And Dr. Mitchell brings out how the Lord Jesus Christ repelled these temptations from the devil with the Word of God, specific scriptures which dealt with the exact temptation at hand. So the question is asked, how well do you and I know the Word of God to be able to respond to temptation with God's Word? When you read and study the Word and place it in your heart, you have a weapon that the Holy Spirit can use in your hour of testing. Well, let's learn of Jesus from Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast, Luke chapter 4, verse 1. We come to you praying that in some way the Spirit of God will take these simple truths in the Gospel through Luke and make them real in your own life. The more I read this gospel through, the more I realize the wonder that God should ever have had it written for you and me. And yet, our Lord came as a man in the midst of men. As I was saying in our last lesson, the first Adam was made in the likeness of God. 
The last Adam was God made in the likeness of men. And we see how he acted. We see how he lived. And there's no excuse for this man, Mitchell, or whatever your name may be. As chapter 4 of Luke starts, our Lord was full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And he had three great temptations. And all temptations come unto these three. The grace of God, the Word of God, and the person of God. This is what caused Adam and Eve to sin. They failed the grace of God. They questioned the Word of God. And they aspired to be like the person of God. Or putting it another way, uh, the grace of God, is it sufficient to meet my need? The word of God, can it be trusted? The person of God, is he worthy of my worship? And as you follow through in this chapter, chapter 4 of Luke, as our Lord enters his ministry, as I said in the preceding lessons, having been officially recognized by his father and consecrated by his father as he goes into his ministry, he is immediately led of the devil by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And notice, he did not go in his own volition. He was led by the Spirit. He was under the mastery and power of the Spirit of God. And if we go in our own strength, and meet the test of life, we will fail. And when Satan would come to test and tempt you and me, if we're trusting ourselves in what we know, or even a past experience, or trusting the flesh in any wise, we're going to fail. But if we go in the power of the Spirit, yield to him, then we will know real victory and real deliverance. Now let me just again suggest our Lord in this passage took the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and three times defeated the adversary. And our Lord was absolutely dependent upon God as a man and was obedient to his Word. Or, if I were to put it this way, he manifested complete obedience, complete dependence, and complete submission to the will of his Father. Uh, now, you know, our Lord must have been tested from the time he was 12 years of age until he was 30. In fact, I'm of the persuasion in that verse where in the preceding chapter where the father said, this is my son, the beloved one, in whom I am well pleased. I think the father was saying this because of his, not only because of the Lord's submission to his will, but also because in the 30 years he was in Nazareth, especially from the time he was 12 to 30, I'm sure the Lord had tests and trials as a man in the midst of men. In fact, Hebrews says he was tested in all points as we are. He's able to succor those that are tested. He's gone the limit. He understands, he knows. And the Father said, I'm well pleased with him. I repeat it again, he did not go into the desert to be touched into the devil on his own volition. He was led by the Spirit of God. And when you and I walk with God, he will lead us oftentimes into tests and trials. 
Listen, Christian friend, tests and trials are no sign that you're out of the will of God. For example, in Acts chapter 16, Paul is in jail. He's been beaten. Was he out of the will of God when he's in jail? Why, if he hadn't been in jail, those prisoners would never have heard the gospel. Uh, then that brutal Roman jailer would not have been saved in his household. Then our Lord spent some years of, of being in prison in Rome, Caesarea for two years, and then in Rome. He was a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. And yet he was in the will of God. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had such epistles as Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. So the Spirit of God may lead you and me into tests and trials, just like our Lord. But may we go in complete obedience, complete dependence upon God, and completely submissive to the will of God. Now, in this, I personally believe that in this chapter, although our Lord has been tested as boy and man for 30 years, I think here you have a special testing concerning the devil trying to thwart the purpose of God in Jesus Christ and in our redemption. I think here you have a special thing. Uh, and he doesn't meet the adversary in the strength of the flesh or the strength of the mind. He goes in the power of the Spirit of God. Now, the first one is a test as to the physical or the test as to the grace of God. In those days, our Lord did eat nothing for 40 days. And when he ended, he afterward was hungry. And I read verse 3, And the devil said to him, If you be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Or if I may change the word, because Satan knew that Jesus was the Son of God. Seeing you are the Son of God, command this stone to be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written. Now notice what he said. He said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now he quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. And here Jesus manifested absolute dependence upon God. He will not act independently of God. You know, one could, one could stop here and think about this. Seeing you're the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Life is not made up entirely of the physical. And Jesus refused to obey Satan. And he took the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and rebuked him. Man, man, man shall not live by bread alone. Man's life doesn't consist entirely of the physical. And I can trust God to take care of my need. As I said a while ago, in Genesis 3, the first attack was concerning the grace of God. Is it sufficient for my need? Or I ask you the question, is the grace of God sufficient for you? Not only for your daily need, but for your eternal need. I have been amazed at Christians who fail in this very thing, this very first one. Is the grace of God sufficient for my every need, for time, 
and for eternity. Can I trust God with my eternal soul, my physical body, all that I am and my personality, can I trust it with God? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. I'm quoting again from Matthew in the same connection. Man shall not live by bread alone. The grace of God is sufficient, and the life of man is not just made up of the physical. See, there's so many people say, well, Mitchell, when I'm dead, I'm dead. No, my friend. The physical is only a wee, wee, wee small part of your being. Your physical is just the house in which you live. And the tragedy today is that most people live a life of just gratification of the body in one way or another. Man shall not live by bread alone. The grace of God is sufficient. As I said a while ago, our Lord manifested absolute dependence upon God. This is the first one. Now the second one, and this is a little, the order is changed here from Matthew. And the devil taketh him up in a high mountain and showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will I give it. If thou wilt therefore worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now here you have the devil exalting himself to the place of authority. Now it's true, it's true that the Lord Jesus in, Ma in John chapters 12, 14, and 16, those three chapters, said that Satan was the prince of this world, that is, governmentally. Apparently, this is a sphere of operation. But he wanted to be worshipped, even though this is his sphere of operation, though he may be the prince of this world governmentally. He demanded worship. I'll give you all these kingdoms of the world if you'll just worship me. Notice the subtlety of it. Again, I say, in these three tests, he's after the purpose of God. In the first one, the purpose of God is not wrapped up in the physical. But now, secondly, the purpose of God is that man shall worship God, not the devil. But notice the subtlety toward our Savior. Now, the devil knows that Jesus, the last Adam, has been promised by his Father the kingdoms of this world. In fact, when you come to the book of Revelation, we read the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And what Satan here is doing is offering him a shortcut to the kingdom. If you acknowledge my position, if you will fall down and worship me, if I can become the object of your worship, I'll give you all these kingdoms. I'm not going to I'm not going to uh, argue the point whether he had the right to give them or not. Suffice to say that our Lord spurned it. And here our Lord manifested absolute obedience to God. God is the only one who was worthy of worship. Now, will you please notice 
in Isaiah chapter 14, this was the desire of Satan. If you read that chapter, you will notice that Satan said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of heaven. I will be like the Most High. This has been the great desire of Satan right on down through the centuries to be worshipped. Now, when you come to Revelation chapter 13, you find there that apparently the Lord allows the world to worship the Antichrist, the beast, as you find in that chapter. The whole world wandered after the beast. They said, who can make war with the beast? And right while they're worshiping the beast, the judgment of God falls upon them. But what I'm after now is Satan has always desired worship. Can I just say, say this? This is the astounding thing that after having had the word of God for over 1,900 years here in America, in our blessed land, which has been so blessed of God, we have the synagogues of Satan. We have hundreds of people in our land who are worshiping Satan. They're devil worshipers. Amazing, isn't it? And this thing is growing. And my friend, I'm not, a, uh, I'm not trying to raise uh, something that is scary. I'm just telling you that Satan knows his time is short and he's going to do all he can to swing men away from the worship of God to the worship of himself. That's why I said a while ago in Revelation 13, the whole world wanders after the beast. And I can't say that word nasty enough. And here our precious Savior who gave himself to redeem men from sin, men spurn him, men reject him, men don't want him. We will not have this man to reign over us. It may be I'm talking to some who are listening in today and you've never accepted the Savior. My friend, to boil the thing right down, you're either going to worship the Savior and accept him as your Lord and Savior, or you'll be among those who will worship the adversary, the devil. And here in this very second test of our Lord, our Lord manifested absolute obedience to God. He's not going to be switched, nor is he going to give in to the subtlety of Satan. I know you're going to have a kingdom, but don't wait God's time. I'll give you the kingdom now. Oh, the subtlety of it. But Jesus manifested absolute obedience to God. I'm not going to obey you. And he said here, you remember in this chapter, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. And so our Lord manifested here absolute obedience to God. Now we come to the third one. And the third one, which was the second one in Matthew chapter 4, we read this. And again we have the subtlety of it. Satan trying to thwart the purpose of God for his son. He brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are really the Son of God, cast yourself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, 
and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said to him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now here you have our Lord manifesting absolute confidence in God. Now remember, don't forget that the Lord has been offered a kingdom. We had that in chapter 1 and chapter 2. Again, Satan is offering him a shortcut. He took him to the pinnacle of the temple. Here's the courtyard full of thousands of Jews. What are the Jews waiting for? They're waiting for the coming of the Messiah. How will Messiah come? Daniel chapter 7 says he's going to come in the clouds of heaven. Now said the devil to Jesus, you jump down from the pinnacle of the temple into the courtyard. These Jews will acclaim you as their Messiah. And don't worry, you won't get hurt, because it is written, he will give his angels charge concerning thee to keep thee. Even though you dash your foot against the stone, you won't be hurt. Here you have Satan quoting the word of God back to Jesus, but misquoted it. He left a part out. The most important part he left out was this, to keep thee in all thy ways. And Jesus manifested absolute confidence in God that he himself would give him the kingdom in his own time. Oh, the subtlety of this. How Satan took the word of God, took a part of it out. He just quoted the word to suit him in order to thwart the purpose of God in Jesus. And Jesus took the sword of the Spirit again and defeated him. Remember, Satan quoted the 91st Psalm, and Jesus quoted back, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You see, all the way through, the Lord used the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and I'm sure in those 30 years at Nazareth, our Lord spent a great deal of time in the Word of God. And here he puts the Word of God to use. He wields the sword and defeats Satan. And I read, And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Remember that. And you don't see the devil coming on the scene again against the saving plea come to the end where he came into the question of Judas. Let me close with this today. And I know I'm talking to Christians, many of whom go through times of tests and trials. May I say, take the word of God, walk in fellowship with the Savior and manifest absolute dependence upon God absolute obedience to God, absolute confidence in God. And you know, if I were to take the time, I could point out to you, this is the history of the professing church. We are where we are today. There are churches that deny the person of God, but they first of all questioned the grace of God. Then they doubted the word of God. It's not to be trusted and the very next step is they deny the very person of God. Oh, that God may speak to your heart and to my heart, and may we walk today 
in simplicity of faith, in fellowship with God, and obedient to his word. This is the path of victory, of deliverance, of joy, of blessing. And our Lord defeated Satan, where the first Adam failed God, the last Adam glorified God. May this be your portion and mine today. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.